Hey guys, Paul Rick here. Welcome back to season five of the Baseball Dad Show. Now we're not going to do any preview episode or you know introduction or recap. We're going to get right into it this year. I want to do two things this year. The mission of this podcast has always been to help our sons become better men, husbands, fathers, and leaders of tomorrow. And we're using the game of baseball as this vehicle, this teaching tool to to teach um, all of the values, all the attributes, all of the skills, all of the traits of great men, husbands, fathers, and leaders. And that's of dedication, of discipline, of hard work, of fair play, of teamwork, of bouncing back, being resilient. So in continuing with that mission, I wanna do two things. We play the game of baseball in two places. Number one, we play the game on the field. So I wanna give you some really practical stuff that you can use to help your son get better. And, or, give you the education, the background that you will need to find the right coach to help him because you'll know what's right and what's wrong, what will help and what won't help. The second place we play the game of baseball is in our head. Boy, has this last two years taught us a lot. And what's come to the forefront in the media and has gotten more attention over the last two years is what's going on inside of an athlete's head. The concept of mental health became much more acceptable to talk about over the last two years than any other time before. But if you go back three or four years in this podcast, from the start of this podcast, this is nothing new for us. We, we were ringing the bell and sounding the alarm way back then because we were getting the emails, the phone calls, the text messages from parents and players. We saw that it was changing. We saw that players were struggling. And now I'm, disclaimer, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a counselor. So any, any advice I give you is just me sharing a story with you or sharing some places to look. If there is a real problem or you think there is a real problem, you should seek out professional help. So when it comes to mental health, um, you know, they always say leaders don't push, they pull. Leaders go first. So I'll go first. I'll share with you my mental health struggles. Now, um, before I forget, because I'll run off on this, um, also this year we have created an extended version of the BE, of the, excuse me, of the Baseball Dad Show that is available uh, free to everyone inside of our BEC Plus community. Now that community is, um, if you've taken any of our programs or any of our classes or any of our workshops, you're already in BEC+. It's kind of where all of our students gather. Um, if you go to baseballeducationcenter.com, you'll find a place where you could click on BEC+. Um, and what we've done is we've provided some really inexpensive, like a dollar options that uh, for classes or workshops that you could take. Um, and with that, you get BEC+, free. So, um, and there's so much stuff in there. The, the uh, extended baseball dads, Shows will be in there, um, and there's a bunch of other podcasts and all kinds of other kind of stuff that comes with being part of our community. So go check that out, baseballeducationcenter.com. So let me talk about my mental health issues. They started when I was a kid, when I was really young. Um, you know, I was kind of okay in school until about the fifth or sixth grade, really when I started to develop um, I wasn't a great student. Um, I was very smart, but I wasn't phenomenal, like with the books. I could get it done when I needed to, 
But seventh and eighth grade, something really changed where my grades really started suffering. And, um, you know, I, I was kind of that kid that in the last week before the marking period ended, um, I was doing all kinds of work and getting extra credit and I needed to ace an exam just to get a D and I, and I aced the exam. And, you know, what, what often happened through that is um, they would say, boy, if he only applied himself. You see, you can do it. You have the capability. You're, you just don't focus enough. You're too distracted. You've got your head in the clouds. You think you, you're, you're worried about too much about that silly baseball and you're not focused on your schoolwork. Now, what starts with you're, you're just not applying yourself, you're just not focused, or you're too distracted, slowly turns into um, you're dumb. You're lazy. You don't care. That's tough. That's tough. Now, I'll come back to that in a minute, but you know, when I say ADHD, the, the picture that comes in most people's heads is of, of like a kid fidgeting or not being able to sit still or staring off you know, out the window and not being able to pay attention or focus on what he's being asked to pay attention and focus on. Well, that is a really, really basic, elementary, and quite honestly, unfair and insulting analysis of ADHD. Those can be sometimes some outward um, symptoms, some visible symptoms of ADHD. But it does, it tells about, it, it would be the equivalent of saying a cold uh, is uh, when you sneeze. That's kind of the equivalent. You're missing like a whole world of symptoms and really what's going on inside the symptom. So when, when people talk about someone with ADHD, um, they're, they're only seeing the visible things that, that kind of show up, right? So what they see is um, missed deadlines. They see someone being late. They see scatterbrain. They see changing your mind all the time. They see kind of um, disconnected from things. And so when somebody shows up late or they miss a, um, a deadline or they, they kind of have too many things going on, people will call them lazy and distracted because what's going on inside of someone with ADHD is largely invisible, largely invisible. And so when all these things happen, it can look like someone doesn't care. It could look like someone is lazy. It could look like someone is distracted. It could look like someone is unfocused. And oftentimes, in someone with untreated or undertreated ADHD, what manifests over time is something's, something's wrong with me. Like, I don't do things the way other people do them. And everyone around me is telling me that's the way to do them. And for some reason, I, I, I can't do them. I intellectually understand what I need to do. So if I go back to when I'm in school, I intellectually understood that there was assignments and homework and tests and, and a grade at the end of the semester. I, I understood that. And I understood that that grade was based on how well I did all those things. I, I totally intellectually understood that. And I saw that other people could do it. And then I saw that when there was really a, a, a threat of, of something bad, like me uh, 
not being able to um, advance to the next grade or even stay back, right? It came that close every year of my schooling from the seventh grade on. I could snap into action. I could find it. So, I, like I said, I was that guy that I needed to ace the final exam. Like, I needed 100 on the final exam to be able to get a D. So my average would be a D. And I could get it. And so, again, from there, people would say, well, see, you can do it. If you only worked up to your potential, if you only were focused, if you weren't so distracted, you can do it. You have the potential. You're just, you're just not working up to it. Or you're lazy. Or you don't care. When none of those were true. I did care. If I didn't care, I... I wouldn't wait till the end. If, if, if I was truly lazy, I, I wouldn't be able to find this way to work in the last week or two of every marking period or semester. I, I couldn't have a distraction problem because I was able to eliminate distraction and focus for those last two weeks. And I mean like really focus. Like I would go into like 16, 17 hour a day focus on learning something. I could tell you a story about my SAT. I don't even want to give you my, my score, but I did really well on the SAT. Really well. But I graduated second to last in my class at Seton Hall Prep. In fact, I graduated last because the kid who was Second was last, he stayed back. He didn't graduate. I would say of the people in my, co- in my class, I had the, uh, the lowest GPA that was able to still graduate. <clears throat> and so people would look at these test scores that I would get and they would look at my GPA and say, he just doesn't apply himself. There was a scene in the movie, um, Catch Me If You Can. Leonardo DiCaprio is like the, uh, I guess whatever he was, like uh, the guy on the run. And Tom Hanks was the, the police officer or the FBI agent trying to track him down, right? He was like a guy that was like posing as an airline pilot and all these things. And he became a lawyer in one of these places that he was, you know, be, becoming someone else. And he asked him, how did you study for the bar exam? How did you pass the bar exam? Because he couldn't fake it. And Leonardo DiCaprio said, I studied for two weeks and I passed. Now, um, not being someone who pretends to be an airline pilot or a, <laughs> or a lawyer or a doctor, I think he was too in that movie, um, I totally understood that. I totally understood because that's what I did with the SAT. I studied for two weeks. So when you have a child who has ADHD that's either untreated or undertreated, or undiagnosed, um, this is what's going on. Now, what often happens is what manifests is, you know, what I refer to as kind of secondary symptoms. So, you know, after years of people telling you that you're lazy, you don't care, you're stupid, you're unmotivated, you're undisciplined, it starts to get you a little bit and you start to think, I'm not like everybody else. And that can bring about what I would refer to as secondary symptoms. So I would I would go, you know, I would, I would get really down. We, today we would call it depressed. We didn't call it depression back in, you know, the late 80s. I graduated high school in 1991. So this really probably became these secondary symptoms probably 1990 for me. 
I would get really, really down. Um, I would get really upset, like really rage. Like I've got, I've got like one of those Irish tempers that like, if I'm in the wrong place in the wrong time and somebody says the wrong thing, like it's bad news. And so I would, I would, you know, get into fights and I would arguing with my parents and my brother and everybody. I would, and then I would go into like this feeling really down and not knowing what's wrong with me. Also during this time, not to scare the parents, but I started drinking. I grew up in an Irish Catholic household. There was like 17 bars in my hometown of Union, New Jersey, I think for like 8,000 8, people. Apparently that's a lot. There was a al- culture of alcohol around me. I had access to it all the time. I started drinking because that was a way that I could calm my mind. That was the way that I could, I could either calm my mind from what was going on internally, and I'll explain that to you in a second, what was going on internally, and also kind of get away from all these people saying all these bad things that were making me feel terrible or making me have an outburst. Because what was going on in my mind, and if you have a child with ADHD, their brain, there's nothing wrong with them, because this actually becomes a really good story in a few minutes, but there's nothing wrong with them, and their brain just works differently. It works very differently. So inside the mind of someone with ADHD, that's undiagnosed, untreated, or undertreated, is a nonstop conversation that's going on in your head. And sometimes that conversation can go to really great places and sometimes it can go to really bad. It can get locked onto a thought and it can ruminate and go round and round and round and round in circles on a thought that you don't even know why it's in there. You can get fixated on certain things. Um, you can get, you can lose time sometimes. There's a concept that I've experienced many times where you're so fixated on something, you're so um, locked into it that, that just like three hours goes by and it doesn't feel like anything. Even to this day, when I don't stay with my treatment, I, I'm looking at a, a bat in my, in my bat rack of a, a Ted Williams, a replica of a Ted Williams bat. And uh, I got locked on in, in eBay and I got this idea of this bat. And I remember looking up and like an hour and 45 minutes had gone by. And I'm digging through the internet trying to find this bat. And what happens is when you don't know what it is, it just seems to have this life of its own. And it seems to be this thing that you can't control. It's almost like you've got this stallion horse, right? And you you're on it and and it's just going and and you just don't know how to ride it. And so sometimes like what I did was, you know, either I would get angry at the horse, I would get down that I can't get the horse or I would drink and I would, I would self-medicate to be able to handle it because the things are just going and happening so fast in my head. So at age 16, my parents, God bless them, took me to see psychiatrist. Now, in 19... Let me just back up here. The Reddicks um, in Union, New Jersey, um, Irish Catholic family, what, what it, going to a psychiatrist was not on the top of the list. Considering my father, Bill Reddick, God bless him, um, was, was a you know, Vietnam vet, um, grew up in Newark, New Jersey, and even a more Irish Catholic family than I was, um, you know, th- this was not something you did. But 
what they did know was that something was going on with me that they didn't understand. And so the secondary symptoms start to be treated. Had went into therapy. How do you deal with anger? How do you deal with, um, you know, they, they were called being sad, but now we would call it depression. You know, I was taught to manage those things. <clears throat> now, what also came out of that was a diagnosis of ADHD. Now, I want to say this. <laughs> not only were the Reddicks from Union, New Jersey, not really up on psychology and psychiatry, but the nuns of St. Michael's School and the priests of Seton Hall Prep were not versed on ADHD. I, I don't even know where it became part of the vernacular. All I know is I had never heard about it before. My parents had never heard about it before. And certainly a lot of the teachers and guidance counselors that really meant well had not heard about it before. And so how could they have treated it? How could they have known? How could they have done anything about it? They were innocent, right? They were doing the best they could. A lot of times they gave me tough love. It didn't come out the right way. Um, <laughs> every every um, cliche you could think about nuns and rulers and crack them. Yeah, I had, I had all that, all that. And they meant well. And, and I get it. I get that they saw something in me. They saw a potential in me that when I was able to work hard, I could do it. And they really wanted me to, to succeed. And they just didn't know. So it is what it is. But something really interesting happened is when... When I started treatment on ADHD, and my treatment, in full disclosure, and I'm not, there's no stigmas of it for me, I'm proud of it. That includes, I have to go see the doctor four times a year, psychiatrist, I take medication, and I see um, a counselor and a coach. I have an ADHD coach. So the counselor is kind of tied to um, the doctor and the medication, stuff like that. So that's kind of more dealing with the, um, the, 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 the biological ADHD. Now, my ADHD coach is a private person that just happens to be really great at it and really knowledgeable about ADHD. And what they help me is kind of how I work out in the world. So when I do those things, when I, when I um, stay consistent with um, my treatments, I don't experience symptoms of ADHD. I experience a lot of the benefits of it though, because something really crazy happened to me. When I started in on, um, I don't think, I, I, I really have to think about the exact time. It's funny because that, that psychiatrist that I saw uh, in 1990, um, you know, over 32 years ago, I'm still very friendly with. Um, and, uh, when I got out of high school, my life took off. My life took off. In three years, I was coaching in professional baseball, 21. Not only that, <laughs> um, in three years, I, I was also um, an assistant coach at the number one baseball program in the state, Elizabeth High School. We were a nationally ranked program. I was an assistant coach. I was published in Collegiate Baseball Magazine, published in National High School Baseball Coaches um, Review. Um, I was on the cover of Collegiate Baseball. I was on the cover of that newsletter, the ABCA. I was published in the ABCA newsletter. And my, my career started to take off. 
and I was going to school and and part time and stuff like that. But I had found what what happened is that now schools are getting better now. So please don't take this the wrong way. But schools are getting better now um, at at um, dealing with children who have ADHD. But the structure of my schooling was this: you go here, then and you focus on this when you're there and when you're done with that you'll go to the next place and we'll tell you what to focus on and then here are the things that you're going to do tonight and you're going to bring them back in tomorrow that structure just didn't work for me that was a structure that was almost like anti-ADHD like that was a structure built on someone who could focus who had the type of brain chemistry to to follow rules and and have a structure and focus and that just did not work for me the minute I got out of that structure, my life took off. The minute I could kind of go down different directions, plus the treatment, I thrived. I thrived. I, in, in, in as humbly as I can put it, when I was 21 through 25, 26, I was hot shit. Like, I was one of the best young coaches in the game. I was speaking at all kinds of coaches clinics. I mean. I was getting speaking things at coaches clinics that guys who had been coaching for 20 years wanted. I had ascended to a level in pro baseball that people would work their whole career to get to. By, by um, age 26, I had co-authored a book, actually two books, only one came out, but we co-authored a book and two instructional DVDs with Tom House, who was at the time the best pitching coach in the world. He still is the best pitching coach in the world. Pitching coach, at the, he had just retired from the uh, the Rangers. Nolan Ryan had just gone into the Hall of Fame. He was working with Randy Johnson and Kevin Brown. This all happened in, in no time. I went from a guy that they were saying could not be, could not focus, was lazy, didn't care, was distracted, missed deadlines, was late. All of a sudden, pardon my my four-letter word before. I was hot stuff. So to the parents who have a son with ADHD, I would just share with you, I would never tell anyone what to do with their health, but I would just share with you that the treatment of my ADHD has been, uh, it's been the best thing I've ever done. And I would encourage you to look in that direction. I would also encourage you to look in a few other directions. Number one is that your son's brain just works differently. It's not good or it's not bad. It's just different, right? So there are some people that are really extremely focused, disciplined, and structured, and they don't do anything. And they don't accomplish anything. So their son's brain just works differently. The second thing that I would say is If your son had, let, let, let's, say, let's say he had a 90 mile an hour fastball. Let's say he was in high school at a 90 mile an hour fastball. That would, be, that would be really something. That would be very unique, right? There's, I know today it feels like every kid throws 90, but they don't, right? It would still be really unique. It would be, he'd probably be the number one pitcher on his team. Um, he'd probably be top pitcher in the area. And that would be something that you would be thrilled about. I would argue that your son has an even greater power. Because 
an ADHD brain that is properly diagnosed and properly treated is like a superpower like you have never seen. The creativity, the ideas, all the things that our brains move fast and fast and fast and fast, and that it, it only seemed bad in comparison to the structures that we were in. So when my brain was moving on to a new idea or a new thought, or I had to be somewhere at a certain place at a certain time and I was late, or, or, I, or I, you know, there are times where you wake up at like 6 a.m., have to be somewhere at 9, and you're late, right? And the only thing I had to do was like get ready and go. It's not because I didn't care. It's not because I was, it's because my brain works differently. And especially when my brain is untreated and I don't stick with my treatment protocols, my brain can function differently. But all the things that caused me to be a failure in a structured system, all of a sudden I was being rewarded for. There are companies now that, are, that want people who are gonna work flexible ways in creativity, in fast thinking, in problem solving, right? So, one, so let me just give you some of the, some of, of, of the, the great things that have shown up um, in my life is I am an extremely fast problem solver. Extremely fast. Like uh, you, you can come up and I can think so fast on my feet. The ability to think fast on your feet is really valuable in a lot of ways and in a lot of professions and a lot of industries. The creativity that comes with ADHD is unbelievable. When you have the freedom to kind of create the things that you want and not the things that maybe you're being told to create in school, and like I said, schools are getting better, having more flexible programs. When all of a sudden you could create the things that you want, man, it just the world is open. I created my position in professional baseball. I called every single team in baseball 64 days in a row. I got locked onto it. I got one call, one phone call back. That's how I got in. There was no structure that says you have an hour to do this assignment. No, no, no. I sat there and called 30 teams. There were 30 teams back then. Every, every, every team I called. Actually, the, the, uh, the Diamondbacks, I think it was the Diamondbacks and the Ray, no, I think it was the Diamondbacks and the Marlins. I don't remember. But there were two teams that, that were, they were organizations, but they didn't have major league teams yet. They just had minor league systems. And so I called every day. Every day I called. There was no structure there that would limit me or no structure that I had to respond to. As a coach, it made me a great coach because I could respond quickly with my players in the game. I could come up with things fast and practice. Right? If I saw practice wasn't going well, I can move quickly and change the whole flow of the practice because my mind works really fast. The creativity that we've been able to bring to Baseball Education Center, we've been doing this for 21 years. Actually, it'll be 22 years in October. In October 2022, it'll be 22 years. There have been people that have come and gone in this industry. God bless them. I love them. A lot of them are friends. But I'm going to tell you the one thing that keeps us going and keeps this business alive and thriving is the, is the ability to come up with creative and new and exciting ideas every single day. If, you, if I were to bring in the guys that work on our team, Matt, who runs our company, they would, they would shake their heads like of the number of ideas that we have. We probably execute one out of every great idea, every 10 great ideas that we have, excuse me, because that's a creativity, it's a superpower. So 
I would tell you that if Yufran had a 90 mile an hour fastball or he was able to stick three pointers, I'm telling you he can. He does have that ability. He's got greater than that ability. It just doesn't show up the same way. It's not visible. It's not visible where someone can point to it. The third thing I'll tell you is he's going to win when it counts. He's going to win when it counts. Over the years, I've had schoolmates and teammates come to me to help them with their business or their life or their teams or their game. Um, I guess you kind of ascertain. I didn't, I didn't exactly leave Seton Hall Prep a, a thriving success. I left as kind of a failure. And now I had the guys who were thriving in that environment now coming to me for help because they were struggling in an environment that I was thriving in. Your son will win when it counts. Now, a couple things I always like to say to players that have this. Um, you know, first of all, there's nothing wrong with you, right? Sometimes we can think that there's something wrong with us. There's not, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, number two is same thing. You're gonna win when it counts. Um, Number three is I'd ask you to look in the direction of treatment. And number four is something for players. This is not an excuse. So sometimes when I talk to parents of players with ADHD or, or the players themselves, it can sometimes feel like, well, now you have an excuse not to. Or now you have an excuse or now it's the job of the rest of the world to adapt to you. No, it's not. No, it's not. In fact, that's a great way to stay locked into the negative aspects of ADHD. So, I've had players that, you know, um, parents will tell me that the coaches, you know, they, they they always say it seems like he's off in another world or he doesn't care or all the things we talk about with ADHD. So there's two things to do in that situation, whether it's coaches or teachers or whatever. Number one is to have an, a conversation about what's going on with your son's brain, that your son's brain works differently. So when he is kind of off in another direction or seems um, disconnected, that, that, that that coach or that teacher can understand what's going on. But just because they can understand what's going on doesn't mean that you shouldn't have to work at it and that you shouldn't have to work at managing and treating your symptoms. It can't, the world is not going to adjust and conform to you. It can get better and it can get easier. It can get great, but I'm going to tell you, it's not going to adjust to you. It can adjust a little bit. It can have some awareness, right? It can make some accommodations for you. I know some schools will give kids more time on tests. Some workplaces will give uh, people flexible hours or the ability to work from home or just work on a project based, not a timeline based or a you know, structural based projects or, or initiatives. 
but it's not an excuse. So three years ago, when we brought on Matt to run our company, um, you know, I was used to, I had a lot of people working for me, but the people that were working for me were, were people that I told them what to do. That if I told them to do something, they would go do it. If I told them to do another thing, they would go do it. And that's how it went, right? And Baseball Education Center got to the point where it's just like, I couldn't handle all the stuff anymore and the team couldn't handle. We really needed someone who could bring some structure, bring some organization, bring some real power to it. And Matt was that guy. But when Matt started bringing organization and structure to my kind of ADHD creation, we struggled. And I would talk to my coach, my ADHD coach, and say, you know, Matt wants me to do this or Matt wants me to do that. And, uh, you know, he doesn't understand. And he doesn't understand how, you know, how it works or how I work or this or that. And then she said to me, have you had a discussion with Matt and your team about ADHD? <laughs> no, I hadn't. Now, you know, I assume, because I've, I've mentioned it so many times in different podcasts and places. That's why, that's why a lot of people come to me with these questions about their sons, because I've been open about it. And, you know, here's the one problem with, with something like ADHD is that it can also be like kind of the butt of a joke, right? You know, like you say, yeah, oh, oh, I got ADHD today, you know? And it's funny that we would never use that jokingly to any other kind of uh, mental health issue. Right, we would never do that. But ADHD kind of, and so I, I kind of assumed I had talked about it. It wasn't like a secret, but I really hadn't had a talk with him about it in how we work. And so we had, uh, I, I wrote out a big long thing to everybody on my team, and and then we talked about ways to to keep our flow going, and and how he's going to work and how I'm going to work. Now that doesn't mean that he just adapts to me, even though he works for the company. No, it means that he's going to adapt to me and I'm going to make some adaptation for him. And we're going to work to create the best product. Now, sometimes that might be we're going to adapt all the way to Paul. Sometimes that might be, you know, um, just we're just going to go along with the, an idea Paul has and, and we're going to try and flow along with it. And then sometimes that is Hey, hey, Paul, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, you're doing a workshop. You've got to be ready for it. Or I need this by Friday. Matt will say, I need this by Friday at 4.30 p.m. And so when I am continuing with treatment, I can make those adaptations. So the world's not going to conform to you. And you can create a world that... can kind of be whatever you want it to be, but I, but what I've experienced in a lot of ADHD people, and I've worked with a lot of ADHD business people and entrepreneurs, and I've coached a lot of them and mentored a lot of them, is a lot of times what we do is we end up creating a world so small that it's the only one that we can manage. And Baseball Education Center had gotten to the point where I didn't want to, I wanted it to get out to more people and to help more players. And so we needed that. And that required Matt to work differently than he had worked before, and it required me to develop some skills around my ADHD so that he could do the job that he was brought in to do. So, this has probably gone on long enough, but um, 
I'll just say this, that everybody's brain works differently. And mental health is an issue that's going to affect a lot of baseball players. We're going to talk about a lot of different issues. We're going to talk about anxiety and, and depression and focus and distraction and peak performance and all these things as we go along this season in the Baseball Dad Show. But this is important to me to kind of to do this first because um, it's probably one of the most rewarding things I do here at Baseball Education Center is to get a call from a parent who's, who, who says, my son is ADHD and I heard you talk about it on a podcast. Or um, I'll be talking to a parent and something will come up and I'll say, well, you know, like, look, you know, um, I have ADHD and I'll start talking and the parent will go, what, Paul, stop right there. So does my son. And um, it's just one of the best things that I get to do here at Baseball Education Center. And it's something that I'm just really you know, thrilled and happy to, to help in any way that I can. So if, if you're a parent and your son is struggling or daughter is struggling um, with ADHD and you think I can be of assistance, um, either to you or even I've talked to, uh, I don't know how many kids, dozens and dozens of kids, probably over a hundred kids, just, just talking to them about my experience and some things that they can do. And there's also, you know, depending upon the situation, there's lots of resources because I've been in this world and studying this now for almost 30 years. And, um, uh, it's just a great joy of mine to help in any way that I can. So, um, my, my direct cell phone number is 201-323-0840, 201-323-0840. The best bet is to text me first. I'm rarely in a position where I can answer a call and, and then talk. Um, it, it, it's best that you t- send me a text, tell me you heard this podcast, um, and then I'll, I'll give you some times that we can get together. And talk. I'm more than happy to do it, and um, totally on the house. Just what you know. Just uh, that is. Um, I don't know. Uh, I do a lot of things to appease the baseball gods, <laughs> and I think this is probably something that the baseball gods would want me to do, and to have nothing on it. Uh, so, um, uh, I'm, if you've listened this far, thank you. We're gonna have a great season, Baseball Dads podcast. If there are things you want to hear us talk about, please send them over to me. Um, you could text them or email them to me, paulreddick at gmail, P-A-U-L-R-E-D-D-I-C-K at gmail.com, no spaces. Um, and then if I can help your son with ADHD, please let me know. All right, guys. Thanks, and I'll see you next week. Hey, it's Paul Reddick. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. I wanted to let you know I have a new book out specifically for baseball dads, and I would love for you to check it out. You can go to baseballdadsbook.com. All the information is there and a pretty good discount for our podcast listeners. So again, it's baseballdadsbook.com. Thanks.